Two losses to the Penguins. Not fun to talk about, but we'll go through what went wrong for the Sabres, getting only one point of a possible four in a home-and-home, and and also what went right. And I've got a solution for the Sabres on the power play if teams are going to continue to play Tage Thompson like the Penguins did. Plus, what's going on with the top line at the moment? Skinner suspended, middle stat on the top unit. We'll get into all of it here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Jody Biasi on today's show at Sticky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter. You can catch us on Twitter for the podcast account at Locked On Sabres or check out our YouTube channel. Like and subscribe the show wherever you may be listening. Leave a comment wherever you may be listening and we'll love to read them here on the show. All right. So we've got a couple of games to talk about against the Pittsburgh Penguins for the Buffalo Sabres. One of a possible four. A little bit later in the show, I've got a solution to a potential power play problem that Pittsburgh showed that the Sabres have uh, on Friday and Saturday night. And my opinion on what is going on with the top line. Jeff Skinner suspended Don Granado's answer, and I think it's a vision into a pet project that Don Granado has currently with his hockey team. So that is all coming up here on the show. But let's start with the games against the Penguins. I hate the Penguins. I have an irrational hate for the Penguins. I have an irrational hate also for Sidney Crosby. I really always have. I can't really put anything solid onto why that is, but I just something about Crosby has always rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, And this was not a good weekend for me or for someone that thinks similarly to that because he was awesome and he scored a couple of goals on Saturday night, including uh, the, the nail in the coffin at the end of Saturday night's game. So let's start, though, with Friday night. Let's start with Friday night. The Sabres lose that game four to three in overtime. And if you look at the numbers and if you just watch the game, the Sabres controlled the play for a lot of the game. It did seem like, and this could carry over into both games, that the Penguins didn't have the puck for long stretches of time except when they were on the power play. And that was it. When they were on the power play, then they would, of course, be cycling the puck and then get their chances. But at five on five, it was the Sabres that were the better hockey team between the two. And I think between the two games, I feel comfortable in saying that the Sabres were the better hockey team uh, in those two affairs. So why did the score go against them? Well, part of the reason is the Penguins got their penalty calls. Uh, If you look at the two games combined, the Sabres took three penalties on Saturday night, and the Sabres took six penalties on Friday night. So nine penalties between the two games for the Sabres, including a major penalty we'll talk about with Jeff Skinner, of course, on Friday. So nine power play opportunities is huge for the Penguins. They get two power play goals uh, on uh, Friday and one power play goal on Saturday. So three goals between the two nights, and that's your difference, right? The Sabres lose 
by a combined three goal differential in these two games. The Penguins had three power play goals. That's your difference right there. Uh, five on five, though. The Sabres with a 53% on the shot attempts in uh, Friday night's game and a 55% uh, for shot attempts in Saturday night's game. So Friday, in terms of shot attempts, the Sabres had 55 at five on five. The Penguins had 41. And then, or that was Saturday, excuse me. Friday, the Sabres shot attempts were 38 to Pittsburgh's 33. So the better hockey team at, for long stretches of game time. And it's frustrating when you only come away with one of a possible four points. I, I think we're in the we're in the between zone right now with the Sabres, where we still care about as much as where they are in the standings with how they play, how they're developing steps that they may be taking. And I think you can come away from two games like this and not be totally devastated that they only come away with one of a possible four. It is certainly disappointing. It has also graduated though, from where we were last year, last year, if they had had those two games against the Penguins where they only get one point, but they were the better hockey team, especially at five on five. I probably would have sat here and said, that was a good weekend. You take that weekend. They were, they outplayed a, a good Penguins team, a playoff Penguins team. Sign me up. I, results, okay, they'll come eventually if you keep playing like that. Now we've entered a stage where we do care about the results. And we'd like to have a season. We'd like to have a playoff race. And getting points when you play that well is key. It's pivotal. Sometimes goaltending will let you down, especially on this team. Penalties letting them down uh, in this regard. A match penalty to Jeff Skinner letting them down. Um, but I'm not that mad about the two games. I, I'll say this even too. On Friday night, best game of the season for the Casey Middlestat line. That line of Middlestat, Victor Olofsson, and Tyson Jost. The, any Middlestat line all year has just been uh, just it has been frustrating to watch. It's you've been mad whenever they're out on the ice. Five on five, they get run over. And on Friday, Middlestad, Jost, and Olsen had their best game together as a line. They had eight or uh, how many shot attempts do they have on? Um, here we go. Eight shot attempts for that line. Four allowed. They get a goal as a line. Um, a good slick passing play middle stat across the ice to Tyson Jose with a perfect pass to the middle to Victor Olson who's cutting down the slot. And then he's able to finish for, uh, for their only goal of the night as a line, but a good goal for sure. And middle stat as an individual in that game, he had three assists. He has the good pass on the secondary assist on the Olson goal. And then he also, while he's stuck on the ice during a change, Really nice passing play where he goes across ice to Tage Thompson and then Thompson uh, to Skinner in the center of the ice, and he's able to wheel around and score. So middle stat with three assists on the game. The line had a nice night. They got a goal as a unit, um, and that was part of the reason why I think the Sabres were the better team is the line that's been a sinkhole actually played pretty well. That line got broken up. Middle stat goes up to the top line because Jeff Skinner, Cross-check to the face of Jake Gensel. He was suspended for three games. And I have a couple of thoughts on both the cross-check and the suspension. One, on the cross-check, I love the defense of the goaltender. I do. I think all fans do. I, all fans love... Because that... It was absolutely unnecessary. The extra whack at Craig Anderson's glove by Jake Gensel. 
after the play. There was no need to do that whatsoever. It absolutely gener- or ne- necessitated a response of some sort uh, by the Sabres. And Gensel kind of skates away. So Skinner is the guy, right? Skinner, Gensel goes around behind the net, and he's skating towards Jeff Skinner. It's up to Skinner there if anything's going to be done. And Skinner has never shied away from standing up for teammates. Never. Even though he's not a big guy. I mean, he's one of the more fiery players on the team. We know that after watching him for four years now. Last year, there was a play, I don't remember who got hit, but there was a play in Carolina where a Hurricane had a dirty hit on a Sabre and Skinner jumped right in. And like he was throwing punches and he was ready to go. Started like a a little mini brawl there. So Skinner's not afraid to stick up for teammates. That's exactly what he did here um, for Craig Anderson. But you got to control your stick. You just, you have to control your stick. I don't mind the, the, the slash to the calf, all good. The cross check to the shoulder, all good. But man, when you get up high like that and he make he didn't really even, it's not like he cross checked Gensel in the shoulder and it rode up. Like he just missed, right? Like he just hit Jake Gensel right clean in the jaw. And that is going to be a suspension every single time, especially because the NHL has cracked down on cross checks up high, uh, especially in the last year or so. Um, in fact, there are a couple I can think of right off the top of my head for the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin at the end of last year was suspended for four games for a cross check up high. He got four games as opposed to Skinner's three because Malkin has a suspension history. Skinner does not. Um, so that was one factor that played in there. And then there was another play Remember in the heritage classic, that fiery heritage classic between the Sabres and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Austin Matthews cross-checked to the neck of Rasmus Dahlin. You might have forgotten, but Austin Matthews got a two-game suspension for that cross-check on Rasmus Dahlin. So was not surprised that he got three. I thought it was fair. I thought it was appropriate for what the action was. And then the five-minute penalty on the ice, that just it cost the Sabres, right? Like, they, they were never going to win that hockey game. The moment that penalty gets called, I think we all knew it's just get it to overtime get your point and then try your best, but you're probably not getting out of here with more than one. Uh, the Sabres killed off the final, you know, 30 seconds or so of regulation there. And then a four, a four minute, four on three. It's, it's not going to happen, right? Like a four minute, four on three. What I wonder what the success rate would be on a four minute, four on three. Like, would it be 80%? Would it be 90%? It would be extremely high. Um, so Skinner did cost them a point. Uh, in that game, despite playing well, he had a nice goal in front of the net. He cost them a point in that game. But again, it's just kind of, I don't want to say it was an accident. I, I don't know what you, what you do different is you should control your stick. I don't want him not sticking up for Anderson there. I don't even want him not cross-checking Gensel. I just, I need Jeff Skinner to not have it go up that high. You got to control your stick. Um, and that's, that's, I think the extent of it. I think it was kind of an easy one, right? For everybody. I saw you know, Hunter Hodes from Lockdown Penguins was arguing for a five-game suspension. And to me, that was a little extreme because of the precedent. I, I always do this. I get in this tricky situation with NHL player safety, though, because I think we all recognize that the Department of Player Safety should have harsher punishment. But at the same time, they've set this precedent. So you never really want to be the guinea pig for it, especially when you've had uh, other suspensions recently 
that are that sort of precedent. So I, I didn't think it graduated to that much. And the three games was the, was the right amount, especially, especially when it, you know what? I might've agreed with five games. Had there not been a penalty on the ice, which there of course always would have been, but the penguins got the game, right? Like they already got the Sabres got punished. Skinner got punished uh, already because of the fact that he gave the game away by that. The five minute penalty was huge. Um, that's almost the equivalent of two games, it feels like, right? Two games of impact by Jeff Skinner is the equivalent of that five-minute power play, if you ask me. So I thought that was the appropriate uh, decision, for sure. And he will be back uh, in two games' time. So he already serves his, suspe- his first game of his suspension on Saturday night. He will serve the second of his suspension on Tuesday against the LA Kings, and then the third of which uh, against the Colorado Avalanche on Thursday. He is eligible to return Saturday night uh, against the Arizona Coyotes in Arizona. We'll take a timeout. I got two thoughts when we come back. One, what is going on with Don Granado and Casey Middlestat? And two, I've got a solution to a very specific thing that Pittsburgh did to take away Tage Thompson on the power play in this home and home. I've got one, I'll tell you what that was that Pittsburgh did to take him away. And two, I've got the fix for it. I think I've got the fix for it that Don Granado can do. Uh, we'll come back and talk about that here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. We are brought to you by Simply Safe at Lockdown Sabres. We believe home should be where you and your family Feel safest, especially over the holidays. This season, give yourself and your family the gift of peace and protection with the number one rated home security system, Simply Safe. And right now, Simply Safe is offering Locked On Savers listeners 40% off of a new security system. Do not put this off. In an emergency, 24 7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real so you can get higher priority police. Response. Simply safe. Name the best home security system of 2022 by U.S. Home and World News and World Report. Uh, third year in a row, by the way. Uh, with the top rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system. Arm or disarm. Unlock for a guest. Access your cameras or adjust system settings anytime, anywhere. Don't miss this chance to save big on your family security system. Get forty percent off any new system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL today. That is simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL. And by the way, that is simply with an I S I M P L I safe.com slash locked on NHL. There's no safe like simply safe. Joe DiBiase back here on the locked on Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. When you are done with us, be sure to make your second listen locked on sports today Uh, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Two thoughts. First of which the top line with Jeff Skinner out. Skinner missing three games due to a suspension. And I was having a debate with some buddies at a party on Saturday. Who's Don Granado going to put with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck on the top line? And who should he put on the top line with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck? And my answer was, he's probably going to do Casey Middlestat. I would do Peyton Krebs. You're not going to split up 
the kid line. I guess we're my, uh, I, maybe my nickname is starting to stick for the kid line, the Legion of Zoom. The Legion of Zoom. Dylan Cousins, Jack Quinn, and J.J. Paterka. Don't touch it. Don't take any of them away from each other. Leave them alone. Who else you got? You're not going to do it with one of your checkers, Zemgus Gergensons or Kyle Poso. Although Granado did put up Poso up with the top line earlier in the season with Skinner and Thompson, but I didn't think he would put Poso up there with Tuck on the line. Um, Tyson Jost is, of course, an option. I thought Peyton Krebs made the most sense. By the way, Victor Olofsson was another option, but plays just kind of die with Olofsson, and I, I, I would like a player that is able to give and go more with Thompson and talk rather than just be the the shot on the wall um giving me someone that can control the puck a little bit better i thought krebs was the right decision for that line krebs is a great playmaker he's a very good skater um he sometimes looks a little lost playing on a style of line that zemgis gergensen's and kyle poso play it looks like there are times where krebs wants to do something whether it's you know a backdoor pass across the ice for a high quality scoring chance, whether it's a pass to the middle, uh, these skilled plays that I'm sure Peyton Krebs growing up playing on the top line at every level of hockey, playing on a skilled line really throughout his, his, you know, his minor league and pro career so far, there are certain plays Krebs wants to execute and wants to go for that are just never going to happen with an Oposo and a Gergensons because so much of their possession and their work in the offensive zone comes along the wall. Um, it's more of a simple type of offensive game. And I don't think Krebs is meant for a simple offensive game. I think he's been playing fine on that line. He's been playing better on that line than he was on the middle stat line for sure. Um, and it feels like he's got at least a temporary home with those two, but giving him some room to breathe with a Thompson and a Tuck. Tuck's got that insane speed down the ice that can create time and space for you. Thompson as such a threat. And now he's starting to attract so much attention away from his line mates that that would allow Krebs some more time and space to kind of create and be, you know, do whatever he wants with the puck and try these really difficult passes that he thinks he can execute that would turn into easy goals if they do get executed. Um, I thought Krebs would have fit perfectly on that line, at least in a three-game sample with Jeff Skinner out. Don Granato decided to go in a different direction, putting Casey Middlestat on the top line. And here's one thing I think we can, for the most part, tell through 28 games or whatever it is of the season. Something that is evident. Don Granato this season has made it his pet project to make Middlestat work. To get Casey Middlestat to a point where he is a producer on this team, a top six forward, and has realized a lot of the talent that got him drafted eighth overall way back when. Don Granado has done this with a couple players so far. He's done this with Rasmus Dahlin. He developed him. He got him to take big steps forward. A super highly drafted, talented individual. Granado's got the most out of him. Tage Thompson, super talented individual first round uh, draft prospect back in the day had not had kind of lost his way in the NHL Granado. I'm going to find the best. I'm going to get the most out of that guy. And boy, has he ever gotten the most out of Tage Thompson? I think Granado entered this season thinking middle stat was next middle stat was the next guy he could get the most out of. And that started right away. 
beginning of the season, Casey Middlestat, despite the fact he didn't really fit the unit, was on the top power play unit. And he was on the top power play unit for a while until he was finally replaced by Dylan Cousins, who much more uh, naturally fits what that unit needed, which was a puck carrier, which was a zone entryman. And that's not Middlestat. Middlestat, you would think, is good at that because he's fast and he has super quick hands. But it's a lot of dump and chase, actually, when you look at Middlestat's numbers entering zones. So that was right, evident right away. Granado wanted to get the most out of Middlestat. He wanted to find a way to get him to take big steps forward like Thompson and Darlene did. And I think that, with that being said, it should have come at no surprise that, oh, I got an opportunity to kind of get, you know, spark somebody's offensive game by putting him up with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. Casey Middlestat is my guy for that. That I think this is just going to be the season of Granado trying to fix Casey Middlestat. And it's not really going well. I'm not seeing steps forward. I'm not seeing strides. He looks faster to me. I think he looks faster than in past years. And that could have just been something he worked on in the offseason. But I'm not seeing him, even with Thompson and Tuck on Saturday night, playing off him. It just looks like a struggle. Everything looks harder when he's out there. The puck just like it radiates away from his stick. It's it's like it's opposites pushing away from each other or the same magnetic uh, field uh, pushing each other away. His stick and the puck. Just, man, at, no one is softer on their stick, too, than Casey Middlestad. And it's because sometimes he looks afraid to put weight on his stick. And I think just kind of the way, you know, he is as a player. His hands are so fast, lightning quick. He probably developed that throughout his life as a hockey player that to rely on that. And it's just he's not very strong on the puck. Um, although he has improved in that area. So even though, you know, he's not good at it in my mind, those, those wall battles front of the net um, he's improved. There was a play actually on Saturday where he was in front of the net. Middlestat was put by the way, back up on the top power play unit with Skinner out and Middlestat was playing in the front of the net, the Skinner spot. And there was one play where Rasmus Dahlin kind of came down the left wall and he forced a pass to the middle and it got through. And it was in middle stats skates. And I said immediately after he gave it away, if that was Jeff Skinner, that would have been a goal puck in his skates. You just got to get your stick down. You got to put a little weight on it and you got to lift the puck. You got to get as much on it as possible. And middle stat. So scrambly in front of the net and so easily taken off the puck, the pucks in his skates, it bounces off one skate. It gets a little bit too far away from him. He's not able to recorral it. And he's not even able to get a shot attempt on. He's not able to get a scoring chance on. Um, and as a net front guy, especially on the power play, those are your plays. Those plays that are in your feet, bouncing around. It's a little controlled chaos. Um, everything's happening super fast. Your job is just turn, whip your hips around, get it on net, finish the goal. And Middlestat couldn't even get the shot on. So, uh, and that was power play. Uh, he played all right, you know, at five on five. The line as a whole, you know, they they outshot uh, their opponents in terms of shot attempts, fourteen to six. So they were the Sabers' best line on the night in Corsi four. So the numbers looked good. I just it didn't look natural to see him out there with those two. And I hope they go back to Krebs. They will not be doing that. It looks like for the LA Kings game though, Monday morning, Monday morning skate uh, for the Sabres at practice. Middleset was still on the top line on the wing with Tage Thompson and Alex Tuck. All right, we'll come back. One more thing to get to. The Penguins did a very specific thing to take away Tage Thompson on the power play. 
And I think I got a pretty easy fix to it. And we'll come back and I'll give you that when we come back here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. We are brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league, professional, professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season, basketball, the FIFA World Cup, we've got it all covered at betonline.net. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked On Sabres podcast. Uh, we've got a game against the Kings on Tuesday. We'll preview that game uh, on tomorrow's episode. So the Penguins did a very specific thing on Friday and Saturday. They they took Tage Thompson away on the power play. Thompson had one big power play opportunity between the two nights, and it was a one-timer that came from the top of the point where Rasmus Dahlin is normally camped. The Penguins, after seeing what he did to Columbus and seeing what he's done all year, they committed one penalty killer to just stand where Tage Thompson is standing. Cheat. Go to the face-off circle where Thompson is camped. And it completely took away the Thompson one-timer. Now, you might be thinking, how could they get away with that? How could they do that when they only have four guys on the ice? They're going to commit. Now they're basically doing a four-on-three with the rest of the with the rest of the space. And that's right. They did. Essentially, what Pittsburgh did in these two games was they dared Dylan Cousins to beat them. Dylan Cousins playing the other wing on the power play with Middlestat in front on Saturday, Skinner in front on Saturday, and then Alex Tuck in the high key, Darlene on the point. They take Thompson away. They stand one guy over there. They dared Dylan Cousins to beat them with a shot. And I had to be careful here. The last time I criticized Dylan Cousins' shot, he scored like five goals in five games. Uh, and he proved me wrong immediately that he is someone that can score goals in the league. But Pittsburgh dared him to score, and it didn't happen. And part of the reason why is Cousins' role on that power play is zone entry men, playmaker, and maybe third most important on his on his uh, on his job list there is shooter and to score goals. That's Thompson on that line. So when Thompson gets taken away, what do you need on that other side? You need a one timer. I'm not saying take Dylan Cousins off that top power play unit, especially while Skinner is out. I would like to see. Cousins maybe move to the high key, put Alex Tuck in the in the front of the net, take Middlestad off the ice. And I think, I wonder if Granado will go to it. The fix is Victor Olofsson. Now, when everybody's healthy, that's where the tough part comes. I don't really know who you take off that top power play unit. I, Skinner is so good in front of the net. Tuck is so fast. He's great at retrieval in the offensive zone, and he's good from that high key. Darlene's your quarterback. Thompson's your number one shot. And I don't want to take Cousins off because I think Cousins is your best zone entry man. So it's it's a tough thing to do. Maybe you could put Tuck on that side, but I really think the fix once you're in the offensive zone is Victor Olofsson because they can't dare Victor Olofsson to shoot. Olofsson will score if he is on that other side, especially if you're going to give him all that room for a one-timer. Part of the reason why Pittsburgh was able to cheat over to Thompson's side was they knew Cousins wasn't going to shoot a one-timer because he's a right-hand shot on the right side. He, If he takes the pass, he has to gather the puck. 
He has to look up and then shoot. They have a second or two to kind of regather themselves, shift back over to Cousins' side, and get as much of a contested look as they can. Where, as if it was a one-timer standing there, maybe they wouldn't be able to cheat on Rasmus on Tage Thompson at all. And that, to me, is the fix. I think if teams are going to start doing this with Thompson and continue to try to take him away, stand one guy way out where he's standing uh, on the faceoff circle. Put Olsen on the other flank because that will work. Darlene will just send him one timers all day, every day on those power plays, and it will he will score because he is that good on the one timer. It's his best trait is his one timer. Um, so I, I think once you do that, penalty kills will start to realize, hey, we can't really fade over to Thompson's side because Olsen's going to kill us now and they'll have to basically play back in the middle and you know have them play like a normal penalty kill force them into that so it's a pretty simple fix I think it's just Victor Olsen or at the very least at the very least someone that's on their one-timer in that spot and um that for me is kind of it I, I don't think there's really anything else to it you I don't want to put Jeff Skinner over there because he is the guy you want standing in front of the net uh Darlene you don't want over there because he is perfect at the top of the key and then um Alex Tuck doesn't work because he's a right-handed shot anyway so finding a way to put Olsen out there I think that's 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 the way to do it if opponents are going to continue to do this uh with Thompson all right, that's going to do it for us today in the Locked On Sabres podcast. Sabres and Kings tomorrow. Uh, and then we've got uh, a West Coast trip. Colorado. Um, or excuse me, Sabres are right there on the road uh, against the Kings. No, are they home? Sorry, excuse me. Sabres at home against the Kings. That's a coincidence. Sabres at home against the Kings and then a three-game West Coast trip against the Avalanche, Coyotes, and Golden Knights. So that's what's upcoming for the Sabres this week. Thanks for making us here on Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. Be sure to make your next listen Locked On Sports today. From the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you next time here on the Lockdown Savers Podcast with Joe DiBiase.